I want to put something before me, before you. Once a person or a generation of people see Jesus, they will never be the same. I didn't say that every problem would be solved. I didn't say they would have any more struggles. But I am saying that Jesus Christ, a true encounter with Jesus, leaves an impression. And I would suggest that it is the difference between being an adherent of a religion or a religious belief system versus having a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about people seeing Jesus physically or even a vision. I'm talking about what Paul talks about to the Ephesians in chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding would be open so that you would see uh, the riches of this grace and inheritance that we have in Christ. I'm talking about what the Galatians experienced when Paul said they had such an experience that they could see Jesus crucified. It was so alive to them. They had some kind of an epiphany. Of course, you know, Simon Peter saw Jesus physically, and he was afraid. And he said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus said, as he always says, when we think we have to get away from God, he says, fear not. So he had that physical. But then after Jesus had gone back to heaven, Simon Peter saw Jesus in a time where he who should have known better had been so gripped in systemic religion that he couldn't even fathom that the gospel should go to non-Jewish people. And Jesus appeared to him in a vision, and he saw it three times, and he learned through that vision not to call any person common or unclean. I'm glad that the Lord has shown me that. I hope he has shown you that. Not to call anyone. Not to call our atheist friends. Not to call anyone common or unclean. Because everyone is included in what Jesus has provided. You know, John, he saw Jesus in person uh, by the shore of Galilee. But then later on, he, he saw him and he said, and I fell to the ground. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm the one who was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And it is something that happens when we see Jesus. Paul had, best we know, never seen Jesus in person, in the flesh. But you know, on the road to Damascus, uh, he, he, he was a theologian. So he was interpreting things theologically and religiously. He saw a cloud. He must have thought that was what they called in the Old Testament the Shekinah glory. And, and that, that, that would have been great for a Jewish theologian to see the Shekinah glory. The trouble was he saw a person in Shekinah. 
and that was impossible. No person could be in God's Shekinah glory and live. So he is confused. He says, who are you, Lord? And I'm going to read now the answer. Acts 26, 15. I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up. He didn't want him to stay down very long. Get up and stand on your feet for this purpose. Everybody say purpose. The reason we encounter Jesus, yes, it's for blessing and for enrichment, but it's for a purpose. There is a purpose from God on the Toronto Celebration Church. There's a purpose. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen from me, you already seen some things, but also of the things in which I will appear to you, and I'm rescuing you from the Jewish people. Paul was in a systemic religious system of Judaism. He needed to be rescued from that. Some people think we should go back to that, but Paul needed to be rescued from it. And uh, from the Gentiles. He also needed to be rescued from all the Gentile religions and their views. And then it says, to whom I am sending you. God is sending us somewhere. Are you glad for that? To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. There are several effects here. He says, number one, light is going to come. The darkness that is upon the people, whether those of the Jewish religion or those of the other religions, that darkness will be dispelled and they will see the light. Then he says they will receive forgiveness from sin. The power of Satan will be broken over their lives and then they will receive an inheritance. You know, inheritance is always by grace. It's freely given. You don't pay for it. You don't earn it. And then he said, you will find a place of belonging among all the believers. And I say today, Toronto shall see Jesus. That's my theme. Toronto shall see Jesus. And when the eyes have been opened... When the eyes are open, they will turn and they will receive forgiveness of sin. The power of the Satan is broken, an inheritance and a place of belonging. That's why we want a strong church that can be a place of belonging for people from all the different parts of this city. Notice this phrase. Jesus said, open their eyes that they may turn. See, this is something many have misunderstood. I don't know. Leave it up there for a moment. We say like this, oh, let's get together and pray that the Holy Spirit will open people's eyes. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That's not the right kind of prayer. The Holy Spirit's business is not to open people's eyes. That's our business. Paul, you open their eyes. But you say, well, well, what's the Holy Spirit going to do then? Isn't the Holy Spirit? No, he's helping you. 
He's helping us. But our job is not to do a little charismatic washing of hands. Hallelujah. I prayed for the whole city. Amen. It's done. Amen. Glory to God. I just declared it so. Toronto is saved. No, our job is to open their eyes. Our job is not really to turn people to God. People turn themselves to God. It says, open their eyes so that they may turn. Who's going to turn? They. So we need to understand what our mission is. Don't take it up on yourself. I got to turn my family back to God. I'm going to turn them all back to God. Oh, that's too heavy of a job. Our only job is to open their eyes. And in order to open their eyes, we have to have our own eyes open. We have to tell them what we see. If we don't see something beautiful, something good, something beyond religion, then we have nothing to share. But if our eyes are opened and we can open their eyes, then they will turn. They will turn. And so it's not a matter of, I'm just going to get people saved. I'm going to get you saved. I'm going to get you to God whether you want to or not. No, no, no. The only thing we develop in is the ability to open their eyes, to see how God is so that people will say, oh, my goodness, I was so confused. I had God all mixed up. I thought God was something completely different, but now I see who he is. And then they will say, what shall I do to be saved? Now that I see that God is not this monster, that God is not this petty chief of police looking to nab me and punish me, I see God through Jesus Christ. I want to turn to that God. So I want to give you four observations about this. Toronto must and shall see Jesus in the Bible. Oh, that's not a, to take for granted. You know, many people, all they see in the Bible is morality lessons, motivational lessons. You know, many people say, well, you know, there are many holy books, and the one holy book is about as good as the other. And who told them that? We did, because that's how we treated the Bible. We just treated it as a source of all kinds of morality lessons and leadership lessons. But very few people are able to reveal Jesus from the Bible. For example, if you're very much inclined towards, you know, business success, and then for sure you would love to preach from the book of Proverbs. Oh, there's lots of stuff to say there, common sense stuff. And you could get it out of a book uh, by some management uh, guru, or you can get it out of Proverbs. But the problem is Proverbs without Jesus Christ doesn't work. If, if, you, if you're inclined, I want to help people who are hurting emotionally. I want to help people who are struggling mentally. Then maybe your favorite book will be Psalms. You know, the psalmist says, woe is me, and everybody's rising up against me, and ooh la la, I'm going through a tough time. And everybody says, oh, that's so wonderful. You're just describing me to a T. I feel that was a very relatable message, but there's a problem. Psalms doesn't work without Jesus. And so we, we must preach Jesus. We must present Jesus. And this is, this is something done so little. Jesus said to the disciples, he said in Luke chapter 24, he said, from Moses and Psalms and all the prophets, they talk about me. They reveal me. And it's very rare from the pulpits of our country that a preacher 
Now, Pastor Nathan does it. I do it. So maybe you think everybody's doing it. But it's very rare that when they preach about David and Goliath, they find Jesus in there. They usually just find Goliath. And they say, one of your Goliaths is your fear and your Goliath of rejection and your your Goliath of disappointment. Or they find Goliath, but they don't find Jesus. And when our charismatic friends, they want to preach about the double portion of the Spirit, oh, they can tell you how you need that and what you need to do, but they rarely find Jesus in the double portion. And let me tell you, Jesus is everything. We preach Him. We lift Him up. So when you preach Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, you better find the pictures of Jesus. And God forbid you start preaching numbers in Deuteronomy and Joshua. Those are kind of violent books. You better find Jesus in preaching that. Otherwise, forget them altogether. Let me say that again. If you can't find Jesus there, you're going to just have a bunch of massacres of Canaanites. And some people think, well, that's wonderful. No, that's what the apostles did. They preached from the Old Testament scriptures and showed them that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But some people don't see this. So we are being accused, well, you know, your holy book is like every other holy book. It's no difference. We only can blame ourselves. We got to learn to preach Jesus. It said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, it should be on on the screen there. It says, their minds were blinded. For until this day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. Paul is saying, these preachers, they're preaching to you uh, from the Old Testament, and they're saying all kinds of things, but they don't see it. And and if we don't see it, how is Toronto going to see it? He says they have a veil that they have a cloth hanging over their eyes. They are preaching all kinds of life lessons and morality lessons, but they don't see Jesus. But when you see Jesus, you understand the place of the Old Testament. Oh, praise God. So when you preach Moses, oh, don't preach Moses without preaching Jesus. I can say Moses had a supernatural protection at birth. That's wonderful. He was in the little bassinet in the River Nile. But Jesus had a more supernatural birth. He was born of a virgin. Oh, that's even greater. Moses instituted the Passover. Nice for him. Jesus is our Passover. Oh, he's greater. Moses went up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the law. Jesus went up on Mount Golgotha to abolish it, uh, not to destroy it, but to complete it, uh, just to put away the handwriting of requirements that were against us. Oh, Moses became a savior of Israel, but Jesus is the savior of the world. Oh, he is infinitely greater. And so when we pray, we must preach Jesus from the Bible. Otherwise... You know, when I was flying to Africa, I don't have time to tell my Africa stories, but on the flight there, I was sitting beside a very high-ranking Muslim man. Very high-ranking Muslim leader. I wanted to sleep, but you know, you don't get this opportunity all the time. And he says, I think I know you. He must have watched 
when Patrick and I were preaching in Swahili, they keep an eye on me over there. He was working very, he's very high position there. And uh, you know, I, I noticed, I told him right away, he wanted to debate the Bible versus the Quran with me, right there on the plane. I said, I, which book leads to eternal life? And I said, well, we can't debate that because my opinion is, and the Bible tells me that the Bible doesn't give you eternal life. Oh, he said, I said, do you think the Quran gives you eternal life? The Bible says, specifically says, it does not give you eternal life. Jesus specifically said, you search the scriptures because you think they will give you eternal life. But they won't. You have to come to me. I said, salvation, eternal life is not in a book of pages, according to Jesus. It is in Jesus himself. It's in, so, so if you want to reach out, you know, Preach Jesus. Amen. I got to move along here now. See Jesus. Toronto must see Jesus in the Bible. Then Toronto must see Jesus in believers. Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. They'd seen Jesus. You know, John and Peter, they were not perfect. We know that for a fact. Peter denied Jesus. So it was not some pedestal we put them on. But with their imperfections and all, they had something about them. That when you saw them, you thought there's something Jesus-like about them. You know, in Antioch, the Christians, I'm sure they had their problems. They had their difficulties. They had their struggles. But they were called, for the first time, Christians. There was something in the midst of their struggle. There was something in them. And the particular thing that was in them was boldness. I'm glad as a very young Christian, I saw Jesus in another man. For me, that first person that I really saw Jesus in was in Dr. T.L. Osborne, who later on became a very close friend. And I realized that he represented Jesus. I saw Jesus is working through that man. I got to know him. Nice man, but not perfect. But I saw Jesus in him. And what I especially learned from him was when he said, if I can do it, you can do it. I'd had it up to here with preachers who said, well, I got this special anointing and I have fasted three times for 40 days and I've come to this level and maybe one day you'll get to the same level as me. I've had it. Take your anointing and, no, I'm not going to say the full sentence, but you can imagine. <laughs> I like T.L. Osborne. If I can do it, you can do it. That's the Jesus style. Jesus said, the things that I, I do, you will do also, and greater works because I go to the Father. Boldness. This is what happens to people who have seen Jesus. They're not so timid. Now, I want to very quickly, don't worry, taking notes, get the CD. I want to make 11 statements about boldness in the next three and a half minutes. Are you with me? Don't take notes, just listen. Number one, boldness is a distinguishing mark of a believer in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ, he, you encounter him, you receive boldness. Paul said to the Thessalonians, be bold in our God. Not some braggadocious, oh, I can do it, oh, no problem. No, be bold in our God. And when you come to Jesus, if you messed up, come boldly. Don't come with your head hanging. Don't come insecure. Come confidently to receive from the throne of grace. And, and it says, and Paul said to the Corinthians, God will give you great boldness of speech. Somebody should be talking bold. Proverbs. The righteous, and I would add, those who have received the righteousness of Christ are as bold as a young roaring lion. Oh, point yourself in the chest and say, he's talking about me for real now. Uh, That's me. John says, we have boldness on the day of judgment. We don't say, oh, and I'm kind of nervous. I'm going to die one day. I'm going to meet the Lord. I'm, I'm not so sure in the day of judgment. John says, we have boldness. Why do we have boldness? Because as he is, so are we. And his love has been perfected in us. We have seen how incredibly big God's love is. And when we saw that, we saw that if Jesus Christ is okay on the day of judgment, I'm okay too. Because the same father who loves Jesus, he loves me. Oh, come on. That's boldness. It says about Paul and Barnabas, the more they were working together, they waxed bold. It says about Jesus, uh, John 7, behold, he speaks with boldness. He was courageous, strong, when the church desired boldness. You know, things weren't going their way. We could maybe say that about a lot of churches today. I was just reading uh, the latest publication from the a magazine published by the Canadian Evangelical Fellowship. Just let read it last night. Fifty-one percent of evangelical born-again believers, in a surveys of several thousand, say that it really doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus or believe in someone else. We we we, we could we're so scared, we're so intimidated, so afraid. We got, we got some problems in the Canadian church. I mean, what we're seeing here today is kind of an exception. Now, don't get, don't get braggadocious about yourself. I'm just saying it's kind of an exception in Toronto. A lot of people coming back to church, give Jesus a hand that he's working in you. Come on. It's wonderful, but we need to, many more. We need much more than that. But when they recognized things weren't going right, they didn't say, oh, oh God, you need to move stronger. You need to do more. They said, God, give us boldness. I think we got a little intimidated. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Have you, have you felt a little intimidated? Felt a little pushed around? Well, they prayed, and they were filled again with the Spirit, and then it says they spoke the Word of God with boldness. And just in case you say, well, that was for the mature apostles, but you know, I'm just a new believer. You know what it says about Paul? When he had been a believer only for three days, Acts 9, 27, it says he spoke on his, this was the third day. He, he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. 
you have every reason to speak boldly in the name of Jesus. His name is above every name, and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Give the Lord praise for that. And so Toronto shall see Jesus in believers. But here's something else. Toronto shall see Jesus in miracles. Everybody say miracles. John 6, 2 says that people followed Jesus because of the miracles they saw. Now, not everything is miracles. Some people, all they talk, miracle, miracle. But miracles are a part of it. And I began to meditating on this point. I was going to share it with you today. And I was thinking how true that has been. And you know, many of the great stories I tell you have heard them, and I could tell those again because they're so good. But I thought of one situation. You know, when the Eastern countries opened years ago, the Eastern Europe, communism fell, we went in there and conducted meetings. We had great meetings. I've said most places, to this day, we've had, had the largest crowds in the history of those nations, in the Czech Republic, many parts of Russia, and uh, Albania, and, and I went to Bulgaria. Now in Bulgaria, you know, so normally we would get 30, 40, 50,000 people, which is pretty good. How many know that's a pretty good crowd in a country where most people are atheists? And it was, it was great. They had never seen anything like it. But in the nation of Bulgaria, where Maria is from, we had something unusual happen. And I was thinking, I don't think I ever explained what happened. Because the first night there, we had about the similar crowd, 30, 40,000. Next night, we had 30, 40,000. What happened? I was invited to a radio station. Now, in those communist days, those countries, they only had maybe two stations in the whole country, two television, two radio. And the good thing about that was people didn't have a choice. So the guy who invited me, he was the talk show host for the most popular program in, on radio in Bulgaria. He invited me to be his guest for two hours to talk about Jesus, talk about salvation and healing. He was an atheist himself, but they say even on a low night, they would have a million listeners because there just was one of two channels. And I still remember it. We had talked for an hour and a half. I preached the gospel. And then he said, do you think Jesus could do a miracle over the radio? And I was thinking, I mean, in principle, I know he can. How many are with me so far? And he says, well, I have one phone here, and that was the problem. They didn't have a switchboard, you know, where the receptionist and, you know, cling, cling, go to this line. We had one line, and my very intellectual mind is computing. One telephone line, at least a million listeners, I'm going to pray for the sick, what are the odds that the person who actually gets healed gets his phone call through? Because I'm thinking, the way I learned it, there's going to be like 10 crackpots calling first. <laughs> are you with me? I'm thinking, I mean, it's, it's all the complainers and all the ones who think I shouldn't be his guest. They're going to call and jam up the line. But I'm thinking, well, how many know God is greater? And so to me, when I look back, this was a breakthrough miracle. And it took us from 30,000, 40,000 a night to 200,000, according to the police reports, the next night. Well, I'm sitting there, I'm praying the best I can, believing Jesus, and I'm thinking, I, I know you're a healer, but I don't know how you handle phone lines, you know, when there's only one phone line. And so I'm sitting there, and I finished prayer. We waited for about a minute. The host said, oh, we have a call. 
I don't know what they're saying. They're talking about Gary. You know what that call was? It was a man saying, I've been blind for 10 years. I just touched my radio when you prayed, and Jesus has opened my eyes. I can see now. That's what it was. That took us. You see, somehow people saw Jesus in that. They didn't know who Peter Youngren was. I mean, my picture was on the poster and all that, but I mean, they didn't, it wasn't meaningful in any way. They saw Jesus in that. So I say to the Toronto Celebration Church, don't be ashamed of the power of God. Do not be ashamed of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do not be ashamed to pray and say, I believe Jesus can do and has provided for a miracle in your life. Let me, let me say, make two important points here. We do not preach miracles. We preach Christ. I hope they put it there. That's very important. Many people go around preaching miracles. I am not a miracle preacher. I may tell you a story just like I did, but we don't preach miracles. We don't have seminars on signs, wonders, and miracles and preach that. And No, no. We preach Christ. Preach Christ. The second part of that statement is miracles follow the preaching of Christ. So Christ is at the center. You know, I say to people like this, if you preach signs, wonders, and miracles, you will not see many signs, wonders, and miracles. Maybe the odd one. You know, every dog has its day. Uh, but if you preach Christ, the message of Christ is confirmed. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So we are not miracle-focused. We are Christ-focused. Give the Lord a big hand. I had much more to say about that. But I want to make another point. Toronto must see Jesus. How? Toronto must see that we, the believers, see Jesus in us. I don't know if that's the way I said you here, but we could put we. Toronto must see that we, the believers, see Jesus Christ in us. You know, you know what the world thinks of Christians? They think we are sissies. That went over well. They think, oh, poor so-and-so. They have a weak mind. They need a crutch. Oh, I'm so glad that you have, I'm so glad that you have your religion. You know, I can see it really helps you. Hint, hint, since you're so weak-minded, they don't say that because they're polite Canadians and we, we don't say that. But, but, but because, oh, I just think it's so great that you have your faith, you know. You don't have much else going on. Hint, hint, they don't say that. And that's what they think. And preachers and churches encourage that. Oh, preachers a dime a dozen will seduce you into a thinking that, oh, you are such a needy person. That's in principle why I don't watch Christian television except you're loved with Peter Youngren. Uh, because it's just this constant reinforcement telling Christians how needy they are. You need a breakthrough. You need to go to the next level. You need this, you need that. And, and, and it, it's, it sounds so spiritual. It sounds so even loving. Oh, but it tells you a message. I'm not there. I don't have it. I don't measure up. I, I, you know, I've been for 30 years. I've had people pray for me that I would break through and I still haven't done it. No, no, no. 
That's not the gospel. The gospel is you have something. What I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. You are not a beggar. And I say, Toronto must see believers who see Jesus in themselves and say, I'm not a believer in Jesus because life is so tough. I don't know. I don't know how I could. I just don't know. I just don't know how I could even do it. No. I'm with Jesus because he's right. He's the savior of the world. He has solved the religious problems of every religion. He put away sin, guilt, and shame. He has won the victory. I'm with him because he's right. I believe in him because he's right. Not because, oh, you poor thing. You poor thing. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. You say, well, you're describing me. Well, that's good. I'm only doing it lovingly so you'll have a new you, all right? Paul says, it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him. He says, I got something. I've seen something. I have seen the son of God inside of me. That's what make Paul perfect. Did he have any faults? Did he have any failures? Of course, he did like everybody else. But can you see Jesus in you? Toronto needs to see believers who see Jesus in themselves. Not in a haughty, arrogant, belligerent, braggadocious way, but humbly say, I have something. I have received something. I'm not doing this. Because it's the only thing. Oh, I don't know. I can't make it. No. We're doing it because Jesus is right. Let, let me read one more verse to you here. I think this is the verse. Colossians 1. I was made a minister according to the commission from God, granted me for your benefit, so that I might fully preach the word of God. You remember the word of God is Jesus. Flesh, word became flesh. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations and now has been revealed to his saints to whom God will to make known uh, what the wealth of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is. What is it you say? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why the difference here in this church is, uh, you know, some, many churches have a different emphasis. Some churches are all about the man of God. I got to go and see the man of God on Sunday. Oh, I want the man of God to pray for me. I want the man of God to lay hands on me. I want the man of God on the man of God. Oh, I want the man of God. I need the man of God. I need him to do this. I need him to come and anoint my, anoint my wallet. I need him to do this. What, is, what kind of paganism are you involved with? Come out of it. Get saved. You must be born again. You must discover Jesus. Don't be entangled with a man of God addiction. Oh, those who have drug addictions, sexual addictions, and man of God addictions. I will pray a prayer of deliverance for you today. We break that bondage over your life. Oh, I'm feeling a little bit. You have Jesus. He has done something to you. And he lives in you. And now he works 
through you to bless the world and to bless Toronto. Don't get me excited here. Oh, the problem of Christians who are ever so in need. You know, basically Christian television, except, you know, I mentioned some exceptions, maybe one or two others, is basically 24-7 counseling of Christians. They say, oh, we're reaching the world with the gospel. No, you're counseling Christians. Oh, counseling this one. And the more sad stories. You know, people want to hear sad stories. I mean, people would love if I came here today and said, oh, folks, let me tell you, I've had a hard week. How many of you have had a hard week? Oh, let me tell you, I feel so betrayed. I feel so rejected. I saw something on the internet, and somebody said, blah, 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 and oh, I don't know, and I'm so disappointed, and he said, oh, I could really relate to you. I just said, I don't know about this guy up there. You ask my wife. I'm bold at home. And I'm bold in church. And I don't, uh, that's just, hallelujah, come on. We are his hands, his eyes, his ears. (laughs) By, By the way, by the way, that's why in September we are launching campus number eight. World Impact Bible Institute in Toronto, Canada, September 2022. I believe the Lord brought us the man to be our dean of students. Joseph Addy, stand up, Joseph. No, 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 spin around a little bit, just spin a little bit here. I'm, I'm so happy to have him with us. Now he's got all the educational criteria. But beyond that, his passion is the gospel. We have others who are working with us right now on a volunteer basis because we are just starting to talk about this. So I'm going to say you can take one year, you can take two, you can take three years. And the purpose of the school is that you will leave as a person who sees Jesus in you. Not only have heard, oh, there's this theological idea of Christ in us, and of course I believe the Bible, so I believe that, but you actually believe it. And and so if you're a high school graduate, we want you. If this is all rings a bell with you, now if you say, I don't want anything, but I'm not talking to you right now, but don't leave the meeting because I'm going to talk to you in a moment. But right now I'm talking to the people who already have had a bit of a sense, you know, God is preparing me. There's something coming up. I need to be trained. So you could be a high school graduate. You could be a university student. In our schools around the world, you know, we have had bishops. I mean, denominational bishops who took two years half-time service and came to World Impact Bible Institute to be trained and is today have graduated. People say, well, if they were a bishop, why would they want to come to Bible school? Why would they? You figure that out? Yeah, why would they? Possibly to receive an impartation and a revelation that they had not received in their seminaries. I could start listing names. Then, my beloved senior citizens, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. I told you, I just conducted a funeral for a 93-year-old brother He came upon his retirement. He came to World Impact Bible Institute. 
he sat there for two years with his wife. She also died, and I, I, was, I was invited, but I couldn't go to her, her passing. But they graduated, and they spent, I suppose, was it 27 years preaching the gospel. And they were just retired people. What a blessing. When I talked to them a few months before they died, that's all they could talk about. So I'm saying if you're retired, you know, this is a whatever, high school students, if you're in the, whatever you are, you say you didn't cover my category. Well, please tell me what your category is, and I will cover that too. All right. I'm just trying to think. Men and women. Oh, let me shout for the women a little bit here. Women can preach the gospel. Look at our graduate over there. You know her, Susan Hoover over in Indonesia. I mean, there's everything wrong with her. She graduated from World Impact Bible Institute. She was a quiet little girl sitting there. She didn't stand out. She was just a little quiet girl. And one day she said to me, after I'd had a bit of a stirring speech, and she said, God is calling me. I'm thinking, she's too young, too tiny. He's calling me to Indonesia. I said, are you sure? I'll try to talk her out of it. You know, that's what a good man of God does. I say, you know, are you sure? She said, I'm sure. I want to go one year. So I said, okay, we'll help you. I was thinking she'd probably be back in three months. But anyhow, three months will be good. 18 years later, she's still not back. <laughs> and what I say, what's everything wrong with her? Here she is, barely out of her teens, going to an Islamic country where they certainly don't have women preachers. So she's, a, she's too young. She's going to a culture that respects the elderly. As a woman that respects male religious teachers, as well, and she doesn't speak the language. That's why I say, Susan, everything was wrong with you. There wasn't a single right thing I could find in the natural with you, except for God. You know that, that young girl who really was just like a little quiet girl sitting there? I didn't even notice her, except she always ran to Tim Hortons in the break. That's all I noticed about it. She always comes back with a big Tim Hortons. So that's, that's the Tim Horton girl. That's how I knew her in Bible school. That, she's on television all over Indonesia today. She just opened a new facility for our Bible school that we are helping with every month. A new facility, beautiful facility. You see, something happens. So whoever you are, what is, it's not that we want to have a school. Why would I want to have a school? I'd rather stay at home and just do navel gazing and look at the, uh, my, my skylight and the ceiling and twiddle my thumbs over my navel and say, hallelujah, it's time to retire. We are having a school because Toronto must see Jesus and must see people who see Jesus in them. Oh, I'm getting myself all... If you look at me while I'm perspiring, it's because Pastor Nathan announced to me before, we are in the time of the year, there's a default, so we can't kick in air conditioning for you because, you know, I like it cool, and Tina was so happy. She said, it'll be perfect temperature for her. But I'm not perspiring because I'm tired. I'm just, you know, worked up here a little bit. Are you with me? Put this up again. Open their eyes that they may turn. 
You see, once people's eyes are opened and they see God through Jesus, they want to turn. Leave, leave that line up there for a while. They will see that the wall, the racist wall that was between the Jewish people and the non-Jews, it was a racism wall. But they see that Jesus tore that down, Ephesians chapter 2. So we look at races in a very different way. We who were not a people have become a people. When we see God through Jesus, we see that those who religion had rejected, like that demonized man who was such an embarrassment to family and community and messed up and cut himself with stones and ran even naked. An embarrassment. Something, someone to warn other people of, don't, don't get close to him. He may be contagious. And that was the view of God, a God that pushes certain people away. But then Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen God. So keep watching, guys. He said, I want a boat. I want to go over to where that naked man is. He said, want to go to where the naked man is? You know what I mean, the one who is demon-possessed? Yeah, that's where I'm going. That's where God goes. If you see me, you see God. And Jesus goes over there. And without telling the story, the man is found clothed and in his right mind. And it says that he received a destiny. He went to Decapolis, which means 10 cities. Wow. Imagine a guy who couldn't even get himself dressed. <laughs> he, he couldn't even tie his shoes on, so to speak. He was, he was insane. Now he's responsible for 10 cities. That's God. So all those stereotypical views of God in the light of Jesus, let them fall aside. Let them fall aside. Because Jesus, Hebrews 1, is the expressed image of God. The expressed, the precise. What you see in Jesus, there you have a clear view of God. Open people's eyes. Some people don't like this message. Some people like it. Sometimes people who feel very self-righteous and good about themselves and feel like, you know, I'm not like I should be, but I'm sure better than most. You know, I know I have my faults, but I, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Those people have a tough time with this because they want a little credit. Now, people who, who don't feel that way, they kind of say, preach it, Peter. Preach it. That's why it says in the Bible, you know, the Pharisees, they didn't like what Jesus said. They were like needling him. And then it says, but the regular folks, they listen gladly. They listen gladly. So, oh, this is so beautiful. I'm going to, okay, I still got time. Would you bow your head with me right now? That means, bowing your head means he's done talking for a bit. Okay, so, so just bow your head with me. Jesus is your Savior. He took your sin. He took your guilt. He took shame. You can come to Jesus, not cowering and thinking, I don't know. You come boldly. And so I want to invite you if you say, I need my sins forgiven. I need to know that I have new life in Christ. I want to receive this life. 
You may say, I feel like my eyes are starting to open a little bit and I want them to open more. So you say, I want to be included in this prayer, Peter, that you're going to pray. Prayer of receiving Christ, receiving new life. How many would say, yes, I want to be included. I want to receive the forgiveness of sins. I want to be restored to God. Lift your hand way up high. Just give me a signal so I know that you're being included. Just lift your hand way up high. How many here in the room? Lift your hand way up high. God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, people over here. One, two, three, four, more. Let me see. Yes, anybody else? This is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. You know that God's arms are wide open to you. Let's all stand. Everybody stand up here in this room. Stand up. Service isn't over. No, I got something else coming up here that we haven't done for years, but we're going to do it. Uh, but I want you to pray this with me. Just go ahead. Everybody who lifted your hand and everybody else, would you pray? Would you say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. My eyes are starting to open. I see, God, how you see me, that I'm valuable to you, and I'm running to you now. I believe Jesus took my sins. Jesus died in my place. But Jesus is alive, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.